It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome into another episode of the Purple Podcast. The Minnesota Vikings have just announced their 53-man roster. Matthew Collar and Judd Zolged here to break it down. And Judd, it starts with the biggest move of the day. The Vikings moving on from left guard Alex Boone. Reaction? Uh, very solid move. Complete bust. But if you're going to do this, uh, if you had decided that Alex Boone wasn't going to start Matthew Collar, your best move was to eat the salary, which they did, and let him go. Because as much as teams want to say that players aren't a distraction or that players or that distractions don't uh, don't bother them, I'm pretty convinced with the mouth that Alex Boone has. If you if you came to him and said, Alex, I know we're paying you a lot, but you're going to be our backup left guard, he would have turned into the definition of a distraction. So the Vikings clearly made a signing that there were some people at the time of year ago who questioned it. They were proven to be right, but good for the Vikings in saying, okay, we made a mistake. We're not going to compound that mistake. We are going to move on. And, and Collar, you knew that Alex Boone was in trouble in preseason game three uh, to start the second quarter when, when portions of the starting offensive line were left in. He was taken out. I think we all said at that point, something's going on here. Yeah, for sure. Against Seattle, it was pretty evident that he was having trouble in the outside zone runs, uh, which is what actually Brandon Thorne and I talked about. If people listened to the last episode of the Purple Podcast, breaking down the offensive line, I expressed some concern about Alex Boone in this running scheme. And I think that that's probably what it came down to is when you look at Nick Easton and Pat Elfline, what you have there is two athletes two guys who can get out there and move. And I thought in run blocking, they did a very good job. They did, they did a really good job breaking up a, a couple of big runs for uh, Delvin Cook. I believe they were in the game when he had his, let's see, 15-yarder and then two-yard, uh, nine-yard runs. And I think they looked quite a bit better than when Boone was in there and more mobile and, and dangerous if they're going to use the screen game and things like that. I think this is what it was entirely about, just scheme and fit. And I agree with what you said uh, Judd, first of all, you're not going to pay a backup almost $7 million, and you're certainly not going to have this guy be the one who is your backup 
because as a starter, you, you could tolerate some of the things that he does and says pretty much with an eye roll. But even yeah. last year, even last year, I don't think Mike Zimmer was very happy with Alex Boone revealing to the media that he had told Zimmer he should play left tackle because it kind of threw their other tackles under the bus. And I, I think that they got annoyed and tired with some of his headline-making one-liners and things like that, telling the uh, Packers president over my dead bleeping body that the Packers would make the Super Bowl, and, and yep. on and on. I mean, last year he started out by telling the crowd at U.S. Bank Stadium to shut the bleep up uh, because they were distracting the offense by cheering. I mean, it's just a, a number of things that you wouldn't have been happy with, but I think it comes down to he just did not fit in the scheme. And I know the report is out there about him being asked to take a pay cut, but I think that's also about him asked, being asked to be a backup then. Be- yes, be- I agree. Because after this year, they could just walk away from him with zero dead money. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure this is much more about scheme. And you don't cut a guy over money when you're getting to the start of the season. There is no way you'd just say, well, he won't take the money, so he's gone. That had to go along with, uh, by the way, he would also be a backup. Yeah, and he, I mean, ultimately, uh, the, the Vikings coming out of a 2015 into 16 collar were uh, panicked, and it turned out, in retrospect, rightfully so, about lots of their offensive line, including left guard, and they clearly reached. And and I, I just... I. I'll say this in in not defending the Vikings, but in applauding them. This is the right decision. Yes. The wrong decision would have been to say, well, we're still going to have to pay him a lot. So so I at least like the fact that if you make a mistake, Spielman and Zimmer, you admit to it. And this is an admission that somewhere along the line, a mistake was made. Yeah. And, or, or maybe just that things changed. I mean, last year. I don't I, think he was. I don't think he was that good. I, don't, I, I honestly don't. I don't think he was that good last year, especially run blocking. I thought he was a very capable pass blocker. There were times where I thought he had trouble getting out of his stance quickly on those short yardage plays to get leverage on defensive tackles, and that's why a lot of those were blown up. Uh, but at the same time, I thought he was it was probably Berger, their best offensive lineman, and then Boone second, Again, though that's not really saying a whole lot. <laughs> Considering how poor they were. But after this move, I think they are better after this move for the yep. guy that is going to be the center of their offense eventually, I think, which is Delvin Cook. That's how, yep. that, I see this move being as much about Boone and his skill set as it is about Delvin Cook. And, and so now uh, project for me, Collar, the, the Vikings offensive line, Monday night, September 11th against the Saints. Okay. Starting offensive line. Starting from the left tackle position, I think you will have Riley Reef playing left tackle, Nick Easton at left guard, Pat Elfline at center. People go find my article on Pat Elfline uh, about his rise to being the top A good, center. Fine read. A very good read. Thank you, Judd. Thank you, Judd. Uh, and then it, uh, so you have Pat Elfline at center at right guard. You will have Joe Berger, who I think recovered, uh, after a very tough start to camp. I think he got better and he was a very good right guard last year when he was in there. So he's going to play right guard. And then at right tackle will be Mike Remmers. Um, I think this offensive line Judd is quite a bit better than it was last year. I, I said on Twitter leaps and bounds, which does not mean that they are Dallas or Oakland, but it certainly means that going into the season, they are healthy and capable. Yeah. And, and I guess the key uh, to me becomes this Riley Reese back. If Riley Reese back holds up, I'm not expecting him to be a Pro Bowl player, but I think he, he will be a, a sufficient, for lack of a better term, left tackle. 
But my top concern going into the opener is can a veteran player who had back problems in training camp, can he, he hold up? Because if he doesn't, now you've got Rashad Hill at left tackle and the potential for all hell to break loose. So I think the most important thing to me becomes Riley Reef at left tackle. Riley Reef at left tackle, yes, because I wouldn't trust Rashad Hill in there for any more than a game or two, though I have sure. thought that he's done a nice job during camp and he got experience playing with the first team when Reef was out. Where I think they're much better than last year was, is on the interior that uh, Danny Isadora it probably also made this possible. The fifth-round pick out of Miami, not a guy that when he was drafted you really expected a whole lot out of, but he kind of made a case for himself. And if Joe Berger struggles, you could see him as the starter. Uh, or if anybody, if and when someone gets hurt, then I think Isadora is going to pop in. And there's flexibility there with Easton and Elfline. If Elfline were to get hurt, then Nick Easton can move over to center and Isidore mm-hmm. in. I think that it just looks so much more promising than it was last year, which still means the 15th best offensive line because I, right. I still think those left and right tackle, there are concerns about their pass-blocking ability. Uh, but from where this team wants to be way better in the running game, I think now they are a good run-blocking offense, which – excuse me, you could not have said anywhere close to that uh, for last year. Let's uh, let's transition to trades because we are waiting right for, for the announcement of a, a trade that was widely reported on Friday night. Oh, we have the announcement of that, by the we way. We do have the announcement. Yes, okay, the, cool. the Vikings included it in their release, so it is official oh, very nice that stuff. they have cornerback Tremaine Brock, and uh, they traded a conditional seventh-round pick, so essentially nothing for Tremaine Brock. And if you don't know who he is, he was rated 21st last year in the league by pro football focus among corners. But the Judd, it sounds like there could be some issues from what you have discovered with Tremaine Brock this year. Tremaine Brock and Ezekiel Elliott have the same issue. And that is this, um, when, when it comes to domestic violence accusations, a court of law can say we have insufficient evidence to proceed and therefore we are dismissing the case entirely that of course happened to ezekiel who then the national football league conducted basically their own year-long investigation and came back and said uh-uh you're not off the hook with us it's six games and now that that's being that decision is being appealed and is probably going to end up in the courts itself uh tremaine brock has the same deal where he was um uh alleged to have assaulted his girlfriend, I believe, in April. A day after that assault took place, the San Francisco 49ers, his employer at the time, let him go. He has since been cleared by the courts and the legal system, Matthew Collar, in this case. He was signed by the Seahawks. The Vikings sniffed around. And, of course, now he is with the Vikings. Uh, But I checked with the league office today, and Brian McCarthy, a PR spokesman for the league, said the Tremaine Barak matter remains under review. And so what... So once again, as we know, just because the courts say we can't charge you, we don't have enough to go forward, that doesn't mean the league can't. So, yes, there is a possibility here that the league, after reviewing this case, could at some point in time in the next coming months or the coming year say, Tremaine Brock, we are suspending you, and then, of course, it'll have to go through that whole system. And if they're going to lay down a suspension, you would guess that it would start with where Ezekiel Elliott's did, which was six games. So if they're planning on having Tremaine Brock be a big part of this defense now, which I'm guessing they are, uh, at some point in the middle of the season or soon, we could find out that he's going to be out for a chunk of games with this suspension. But let's just talk as if he's not going to be suspended right away. When they play against New Orleans, 
Yep. I, I don't know whether he would be ready yet to start against the New Orleans Saints, who will be without Willie Sneed, by the way, who got uh, suspended. That's a huge break for the Vikings defense, by the way. Uh, but I think there's a chance that Tremaine Brock is your starting nickel corner because it's pretty clear that the Vikings are unhappy with Mackenzie Alexander. And Judd, I know that you love these, so I'm going to allow you the I told you so. Even though we've been on the same page with this, I am giving you the floor for the I told you so Vikings. I don't even want that. Here's what I want. All I want is to know why Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer didn't. There had to be people in Winter Park who came to them and said, moving Mackenzie Alexander inside is a gamble that you shouldn't take. This is in March, the day Captain Munnerlyn, who was who was very good, and by the way, I believe played 60-plus percent of the snaps last year yep. at the nickel corner, which makes it a starting job. The day, he, the day he was allowed to walk away and sign a four-year contract with the Carolina Panthers, Matthew Collar, there had to be people that went to Spielman and Zimmer and said, gentlemen, no matter what you're telling me about Mackenzie Alexander, it's an assumption and it's a bad idea, and Mike don't believe that you can teach this kid to play a very difficult position. And by the way, this is also a kid that we talked about that you wrote about several times who was so hard-headed as a rookie, he didn't listen. So surprise, surprise, guess what happened? We went through the offseason. We went through training camp. And now we're about to hit the regular season in what is a pass-happy league. And the Vikings are scrambling to fill a position that not just me, not just you. My dog told me six months ago this was a bad idea. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I, I don't even want the I told you so. I want the explanation because I'm baffled by this one. The Vikings do a lot of smart things. They they lock up their star players. They don't let young players leave if they like them. Today they released Alex Boone, which to me is a smart move if he's not going to play. How do you end up assuming that Mackenzie Alexander can play a position that, number one, I'm not sure he can play, but I'm not sure he's even wired. I don't even know how much he is wired to play in this league, period, given what you've reported and a lot of people have written about. Well, teams have a reputation for not admitting when they're wrong, and it yes, they did do that with Alex Boone, and maybe I guess they just did that now, but should have done it earlier. Uh, I think the writing was on the wall from last year, from everything that we heard about Mackenzie Alexander that this experiment might not work, that even though he was earmarked for that nickel corner position, that he didn't make a whole lot of progress last year, meaning that he would have a very long way to go. And even though it was said over and over, he's changed his attitude, he listens, he's a different guy. I mean, you said it when we were in OTAs that that's OTA talk. I mean, that, yep. you know, Troy Williamson was uh, all of a sudden fixed in uh, – OTAs and many, many, many other players who ultimately didn't work out and OTAs and minicamp, they were fixed. They were great. We solved all the problems. But I think what we saw in the preseason game, uh, the fourth one against the Dolphins, was that there are still problems there. And not only the fact that Mackenzie Alexander was on the field, that also um, he committed that taunting penalty, which just speaks to the attitude problems. First of all, who commits an taunting penalty in the preseason i mean that's a bad look to begin with but the fact that he was on the field through the first half said everything you needed to know about where they stood it was stunning to me to see that but it also was very very telling and them going out to get tremaine brock 
says even more about how they feel about the progress of Mackenzie Alexander. And Matthew, the, the Pollyanna uh, responses I saw from some Vikings fans of, well, they're just hoping to get him more experience because he's not experienced there. Listen, I can't be m- more clear. As you reported, there were no other defensive starters, and that's a, that's a starting job. No zero. other defensive yep, starters zero. played in that game. And if you ever see a starter when everyone else is held out playing in the fourth preseason game, something's gone drastically wrong. That's not trying to get him more experience. Something's gone wrong, and the fact that it took the Vikings that much time to realize it, and now they're bringing in a veteran guy who's had off-the-field troubles and who has not necessarily played that much inside, that you could have gone out in free agency in, in March or April, and you could have gone and signed some not-super-expensive veteran guy who could have played inside in the nickel and given you peace of mind, but instead you had this goofy idea that very well could come back to bite you in the butt now because now you're trying to take care of it with with other veterans who don't have inside experience, and you're trying to do it at the last second. Yeah, the one that comes to mind for me is Nikel Roby Coleman, who was released by the Buffalo Bills because they were changing defensive schemes, and he was a pretty solid nickel corner with lots of experience, and uh, they decided to let him walk, and he signs ultimately with the Rams after waiting for quite some time. He was just out on the market. That's a guy that you could have brought in for competition, but if he didn't win the job, you could have either just let him go or had him as as depth at that position, and that's where I am confused because the, there were a handful of corners on the market that were, like you said, affordable, but also not so good that you'd say, oh, well, this guy's got to start if he's going to be brought here or he won't come here unless he's going to be guaranteed a starting spot. I don't think that that would have been the case with somebody like Nikel Roby Coleman. It could have been done, and now in hindsight, uh, it should have been done, and it surprises me that they waited this long to bring in Tremaine Brock and He's also somebody that has not played in that nickel corner spot. Now, I went back and watched some of his work last night, and I would say that he's a, he's got the skill set to be able to do it. You know, I think some guys are kind of uh, fast, you know, straight line kind of speed guys, or, or like uh, uh, Trey Wayans, who isn't that shifty with wide receivers, but I think Brock right. really is. Uh, I also wanted to point out that this move is not about Trey Wayans, that I have confirmed that, if you will, I saw a lot of speculation mm-hmm. from people. It didn't make any sense to me that they would be speculating about it. Trey Wayans was standing over there with Terrence Newman and Xavier Rhodes having a good old time during the fourth preseason game. He's locked in. In fact, if anything else, I've heard that Trey Wayans has impressed throughout training camp, that they really like where he stands right now going into this season, and we might not see a ton of Terrence Newman mixing in and out with him like we expected, that Newman might ultimately end up as a depth guy who spends more time on the sideline than he does in the game. And if anyone is injured, he's going to come in because of the way they feel about Wayans. So that speculation couldn't be more off. It's entirely about Mackenzie Alexander. But if if you erase the I told you so's that we both have from, I don't know how many podcasts going back Mm -hmm. overall, Judd, I think this is a good move and I think it's the right move for the Vikings to add a defensive back and not hope that someone like, uh, I don't know, Trey Roberson or Horace Richardson or any of those guys, not just hoping that one of them could fill in if something went wrong, but going out and making this move. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this is 
While it's perplexing and baffling to me why it took this long, better for it to be done uh, now a week out than to get through the Saints game and Steelers game and Alexander's a complete mess and debacle. Um, I just thought, I guess I, I thought the final straw should have been the Seattle game when uh, Alexander was awful. I would have made, I would have definitely tried to make the trade at that time just to try and get the new guy in here and into my defensive system. But yes, I, if the Vikings are going to ever admit to uh, at a late date that they, they made a mistake, I think it's much better that they do it now than you just got beat by Drew Brees because this kid had no chance. Yeah. Yep. I am with you on uh, on that. Let's run through a couple of the uh, other cuts before we wrap up this special, exciting, breaking news edition of the Purple Podcast. Um, I think one that surprised me a little, I'm not majorly surprised, is uh, Kyle Carter. I thought Kyle Carter had a very good training camp and preseason. I think he will make the uh, practice squad more likely than not. And Bucky, sure. Bucky Hodges ends up making the 53-man roster as the number three tight end behind Kyle Rudolph and David Morgan. And I guess, Judd, it's possible that we could see Bucky Hodges having a role in the offense. Not a big one, but uh, maybe occasionally coming in in clear passing situations and looking for a mismatch. Is Bucky going to even line up as a tight end? I mean, I I know that Kyle's strength is catching the ball, and he's not great at blocking, but he definitely does line up as as a traditional tight end. Morgan for sure will uh, line up as a tight end or as a fullback possibly at times. But what's the plan there? Is Bucky going to be a tight end or just a tight end in name only? And actually, when he does get opportunities, Collar line up essentially as a pseudo receiver. I would say that Hodges improved his blocking ability over training camp and preseason, but even watching him against Miami, the times he had to block, it wasn't very good. Uh, So I I think that the only time he'll be used would be just as a wide receiver, and I'm not even sure that they would use him lining up on the line of scrimmage. I I think what we saw in the third third preseason game at the end of the first half is exactly what he will do in this offense is, you know, we've got a drive here, last minute, and – you know, you're going to come in and line up and hope to get matched up with a safety or something like that. Uh, his ability to run straight very fast and then go up and get the ball is pretty impressive. The rest of the parts of his game need work. His route running needs a lot of work, I think. Uh, if he's going to have a full type of route tree where he's doing underneath you know, comeback routes or ins and mm-hmm. outs and things like that, if he's going to get open doing those things, he's going to have to – develop a lot but in terms of just being a weapon that is on the periphery of the offense that you could occasionally just pluck out and throw him in there mm-hmm. I, I i think he could work uh, i i wouldn't be shocked if kyle carter ends up on the practice squad and then on the active roster at some point if somebody gets hurt if kyle rudolph gets hurt or david morgan or, or hodges because i i do think that carter is a receiving threat and maybe a better overall player right now. But maybe there was concern that if they released Hodges, that somebody else would pick him up. That, that might be one of the factors here, too. No one's going to pick up Kyle Carter. Someone might pick up Hodges because he's really intriguing. That was uh, maybe the biggest one that intrigued me. C.J. Ham is on the roster. I think we all kind of figured that, right? Yes. Yeah. And they, they clearly, they clearly love his, his work ethic, right? I mean, he strikes me. There's always going to be a guy or two on this roster who's, who Zimmer just loves. He just works hard. He does this, he does all that. 
I think this is, is the guy. Uh, my question now becomes this. How much does Shermer use a fullback? Because you, you could definitely use a tight end in that role as well. And are we talking about uh, consistently ha- having a fullback out there to try and clear space for Dalvin Cook and pass protect? Or is this going to be a very, very small small role and a guy who often could be inactive on Sundays? That's it's, what I'm curious about. It, it's unlikely that they use him a lot, I think, because I looked at fullback usage last year after Shermer took over, and outside of one game, Zach Line saw the field a whole lot less. Uh, w- but with that said, um, C.J. Ham can play running back a little bit too. I mean, that's what he was up until last year. I wouldn't say that he's a dangerous runner if he's in the game, but if you gave him the ball, he's not going to just fall straight on the ground, that he has running back experience. Asiata, you mean? Yes, he's not gonna, who he's got not cut by the Lions, Seattle? by the way. He, Four, uh, Matt fourth Asiata. and one, oh, he gained a half a yard. Sorry. Think about how much they gave Matt Asiata the ball last year, and he was cut by the Lions this year. I mean, that, tell, yeah. that tells you a lot. Uh, but, and guess what? I'm guessing he deserved it. Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, but C.J. Ham, I think, does more than – uh, Zach Line did last year, and then what a traditional fullback can do. So he may sure. see the field from time to time. Um, the wide receivers, as we expected, Rodney Adams and Stacy Coley are on the team. I had wondered aloud about Jarius Wright if they would trade him, but Jarius Wright will not die. He remains on the team. At the beginning of camp, he said, if you think I'm getting cut, you don't know football. And uh, I included Wright, I think, on my 53 that I projected. Um, but you don't know football. It's but become I, clear. You don't know football. No, you're you right. He's going to get cut. But, I, I mean, throughout camp, it was like a roller coaster for him. At one point, he's filling in for Laquan Treadwell with the first team, and we think, well, you know, maybe he could beat Laquan Treadwell for this job. And then by the end, it looked like, eh, you might not be surprised to see if he's traded. And I would suspect that the Vikings called around about Jarius Wright. But if you're another team, are you really giving away any type of asset for a guy that had 11 catches? Yeah. I, I think having him on the team is better than not having him on the team. The well, other- well, just keep in mind, too, though, we are so, – so today's cuts, uh, which went from 90 to 53, were due by 3 p.m. Central. But that is only step one here. Because now teams are going to sort through rosters. Teams are, are going to have to sign guys to their practice squads. And then, you know, they're all going to look through the wire here. So there's probably a good three to four actual 53-man roster moves left to be made. Uh, so Jarius, the Jarius Wright thing, I don't, think, I don't think you're necessarily wrong yet. I don't think that's done, and it, it won't shock me. If I'm Jarius, though, I would be so excited and eager to get out of here it would make your head spin because it's just obvious this coaching staff doesn't see much use for him and i don't think he's a terrible player and i think in the right system he's a guy who could play so but the jerry is right thing i'm not going to say it's dead yet i think uh, collar that there's a potential at least that something transpires with him uh just a couple to wrap up with here willie beavers got cut and i thought it was possible willie beavers could make the 53 <laughs> he made progress like, he might be a practice squad too i'm telling you he made progress he I'm played sure he a lot better by the end than where he was last year and the fact that he was a fourth round draft pick made me think it was possible uh, marshall kane gets cut he loses to kai forbath uh, we saw that coming when he missed the 47-yarder. It's like, okay, well, I think this is going to have to go to the guy who was uh, a little more accurate. Uh, Taylor Heineke gets cut, and he's going to go on the injured reserve and eventually will end up on the practice squad. So they only keep two quarterbacks here. 
Um, Edmund Robinson was taking first team reps to start the uh, uh, training camp and ends up getting cut, which is a pretty big fall for Edmund Robinson. And I mean, other than that, a lot of them that we saw coming, uh, Caleb Jones had a great fourth preseason game. He's a practice squad candidate. And uh, I know that you had Mitch Leidner on your 53, but he ends up getting cut too, Judd. I am. I'm shocked by, by this. In fact, I'm, I'm calling Bite Squad right now to get oh, Mitch, his job why? back. You just, I'm calling people Bite are Squad being right so now, mean. and I'm going to order a pizza, and I want Leidner to, to deliver it to me tonight. Um, not surprised at all that Dayton Jones placed on injured reserve, but they're likely going to just buy him out and say goodbye to Dayton Jones. The idea that a guy could go from outside linebacker to three-technique defensive tackle. I mean, uh, the kids online, Judd, these days are saying you, you've got receipts meaning that you can uh, prove that you saw something coming before or whatever. We've oh, I got, got my receipts. We've got lots of receipts on not buying into the Dayton Jones plan, and I think that that experiment is over. And the yep. last thing is that uh, Teddy Bridgewater on the pup list was the most obvious thing in the world, but a report yesterday kind of confirming what Mike Zimmer told Jay Glazer uh, which was that this team sees Bridgewater as on his way or far enough down the road that he could be back at some point this season. And then after that, Judd, who knows how it goes. Uh, just quick, quickly uh, back to the three technique conversation, because as you know, I love my three techniques. Yes, you um, do. I find it interesting, and, and I was sort of right on the fact that the Vikings were attempting to, to throw a lot of bodies at that spot. Uh, because Dayton Jones won't make the team eventually once he's he is healthy enough to negotiate a buyout. Will Sutton, correct, who they picked up from the Bears, is uh, not going to make the team. He correct. was cut. Uh, that being said, though, good for the Vikings because I, I, I'm with you on this. I think they found something big, no pun intended, in Jalil Johnson. So Jalil Johnson could be long-term to me from what I saw uh, with him being moved from nose tackle to three technique late in camp, that's a great move. So despite the fact that most of your three technique um, veterans didn't work out, Jalil Johnson, as many people as you threw at that position, I think Jalil Johnson is going to be the, the one who sticks. And I think that you very well, if you're the Vikings, might have found something long-term at that spot. Yeah, and what might have surprised them with Jalil Johnson is uh, just how well he played after they moved him. They were trying him at the nose, and then he moved to the three technique and took off. Because I remember you asking at the beginning of camp somewhere after a few practices if Johnson had stuck out, and the answer was no, not really at all. And then as it went along and he got into the games at the three technique, he was blowing up plays in the backfield pretty regularly, and he might end up having a role. That Tom Johnson, we might see him in passing downs, and then Jaleel Johnson coming in when it comes to uh, run-heavy downs and things like that to play next to Linval Joseph. And just talking a little bit to Jaleel Johnson, I get the idea he's a pretty bright guy because he said the first thing he did when he got to the Vikings was yep. said, I'm going to do everything that Linval Joseph does. And that's a very, very good plan when you hear that. That's very good. And, and the most important thing, Matthew Collar, is that Jaleel Johnson has receipts. Yeah. Oh, Jaleel has receipts. Yeah, he's he's uh, got I, receipts. But actually, from now I, on, I'm going with it. I, I'm going with that on Monday's show. I got receipts. I, I'm not entirely sure that you used it correctly there, but we have receipts <laughs> saying that the three technique thing with Dayton Jones wasn't really going to work, and that the Mackenzie Alexander thing <laughs> might not work either. That's our receipt. So you can you can try it out 
on the show. Uh, we'll all look forward to that. Okay, well, that's all. That's, <laughs> that is all we have for now, and it's regular season football practice coming up, Judd. I can't wait. All regular season. Training camp's over. Thank God. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. These are our receipts. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.